0: you don't have to do something huge. It, it's literally stopping and when you're at a coffee shop, you know, turning to the person next to you and just saying hi, um, smiling at people, making eye contact, holding a door open, um, it, that's caring. That's giving a damn about somebody else.
1: Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. I'm Nick LaPara, and this is my chance to talk with people who are doing extraordinary things in the world because they saw something wrong that needed to be made right, and they gave a damn about it. This is episode 11 of the Let's Give a Damn podcast with Andrea Gubel. Andrea is an extraordinary athlete that has accomplished badass status at the state, national, and even global level. She is a University of Kansas alumnus, a three-time NCAA champion, a gold medalist at the 2012 NACAC under 23 championships in athletics, and she represented the United States at last year's Summer Olympics in Rio. Wow! In our chat, we talk about her childhood, her family, her accomplishments, and how she is using her unique platform as an athlete to equip and empower girls to live meaningful and successful lives through organizations like Z-Girls and Ignite. I found myself feeling very encouraged and challenged by her multiple times in our conversation. Her discipline and vision are contagious. I have two daughters, Solace and Belle, and I'm very glad my daughters will have women like Andrea to look up to as they grow up. I think you're going to love our conversation. I know you'll be challenged to give more dams as a result of this talk. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Here's my chat with Andrea Gubel. Andrea, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast.
0: Hi, how's it going?
1: Fantastic. Now, first question, how do you say your last name? I'm so sorry.
0: It's Gubel.
1: Gubel. Okay. Andrea Gubel, welcome to the show. Um, Right before we hit record, we were talking about... Uh, you live in Tacoma, Washington, or more specifically, University Place, and yes. my family and I moved away from there four years ago. Or no, so we moved away from there a year ago. We were there for four years. We love that town, and yes. uh, I guess you live across from the the Whole Foods that I frequented a lot for meetings. Yeah, so that's cool. That's awesome. So welcome. Uh, I'm glad you're in a place that I would love to be right now. <laughs> I assume I assume you're in Tacoma, calling, right? Yes, I am. Okay. Yep. Um, cool. Welcome to the show. We're going to get to know you a little bit more through this show, but I would love f- to start with you telling us your story. I'd love to hear a bit about your upbringing, your family, um, the kinds of things that made you like point out anything that made you who you are today. Like we're trying to get to know you and the kinds of things that make you tick and why you do the things you do today. And a lot of that does stem back to, you know, when you were growing up. So family upbringing, how you got started with sports, those sorts of things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I fortunately grew up with a very supportive family. Um, My parents are both here in Tacoma as well, Um, always have been really close to me. My parents are divorced, so I see my dad all the time, um, just as much as my mom, especially now that I'm older. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I have a stepdad named Mike. Um, I have an older brother who is 31. I might have made him younger. He'll like that. (laughs) Um, And then I have a little brother that's still in high school. He's 16. Um, Both big influences on my life. So love them to death. But I grew up doing sports. Like my parents put me into sports pretty young. When I was four, I played everything, basketball. Um, I didn't run track until later on. But did soccer, baseball, like your primary sports when you're younger. Right. Um, And... Was always, like, really good. I I loved to, like, hang out with the boys. Like, having an older brother, he beat up on me. Thank goodness, because I'm tough now. But There you go. um, Like, I always went out and played basketball with him. And he just, like, really influenced me on, like, being tough and um, working hard, I guess. Um, And I always just, like, had this drive for winning. Like, I still remember my dad after games, like, I would – start crying before the game was even over if we were losing because I would be so like emotionally upset about it and it wasn't just that like I wanted to win like I just wanted my team to win like the celebration after the game when you're younger is so much fun you know and when you don't win like other kids would run off and be like yeah like we're done with the game and I would just like beat myself up about it and so my dad like and my mom would always say like Andrea you can't cry until like you leave it shows weakness and so like Over the years, you know, I started to control it a little bit more, but that went on until, like, high school. And then at that point, I saw it as, like, a negative thing. Like, it's embarrassing to cry in front of people. Um, And it wasn't, like, just tears flowing. It was just, like, anger almost. And so when I was in middle school, I transferred schools. And it's terrifying in middle school. Like, you're going through everything. And then on top of that, like, make some new friends. And I lived on McCord Air Force Base where it was a lot of kids that moved a lot. Um, So everybody was pretty accepting. And then I moved to University Place where incredible community, but it was just tough. Like people live here, they leave, they come back, they raise their families. Everybody knows everybody. It's like a small town in a big town. Um, And so like to find friends, I use sports. Um, And so like going through that, People didn't, like, understand, though, like, how much I loved competing. Um, I always talk about, like, the first day of middle school, I remember, like, trying to impress my PE teacher because that's what mattered to me is that, like, they knew how good of an athlete I was. Um, so I just had this, like, really big drive for being competitive, which transferred over a little bit into school itself, but I was never, like, a great student, Um I was good. I was respectful. I worked hard, but it was difficult for me. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to ask, sorry to interrupt, I was going to ask if that was something that was just in sports or did that carry, not just school, but like at home with family, did you find yourself competing just to, I don't know, just at family life or with friends when you're hanging out or was it just mainly the sports?
0: um, I feel like I'm pretty good at turning it off, but I know it definitely, like if we're at an arcade or something, like I'm going to get pretty competitive, Um, but I think it was mainly, like, on the playing field. Like, I just – I really wanted to win, and I wanted to work hard all the time. And so um, that just kind of, like – I think my parents instilled that into me a lot of just, like, the little things in life um, create big things and that it all starts, you know, when you're younger. It's funny. We were just having this conversation last night of just, like – you see habits and you can create habits at a young age. And I think my parents did um, a really good job of, yes, they were divorced and there was a struggle of that, but um, that they were just really supportive in not taking away like that, like sense of hurt when you lost. I think it is Um, like letting me feel that and letting me not be okay with that and feel uncomfortable was one of the biggest things that drove me into what later on became like a pretty successful career.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that because we don't want to treat that loss like something that we like loss is good. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it teaches is. us, it teaches us character and it will teach us what maybe it's what not to do next time or what we need to do better or differently, or we don't need to do this at all because we're not good at it. And so we learn, we learn from the losses
0: that's what I learned very young is that, you know, your biggest success comes from your biggest loss. Like you, you lose something or you, it could even be in personal life, like talking outside of sport, you know, like I lost a lot of friends when I moved, but then that, instead of looking at it as like, Oh, I lost you as a friend. Like I also gained, you know, 15 more by going to a new school. And so um, I think just like, they never let me like really dwell And sometimes I think I took that as like they weren't proud, um, but my parents are beyond proud of what I've done and what I have always done. Um, But it took a while for me to figure out that it was just – it was a tough love. Like it was like you messed up or you failed. What are you going to do? We're going to help you, but we're not going to give you the answer kind of thing. And so I've just kind of carried that on.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm I'm – I love that they did that and were able to, you know, do that throughout your childhood and your teens. So you've had quite a few, thank you for sharing some of that story. You've had quite a few, um, athletic sport accomplishments. Would you mind taking us through those, some of those, maybe even in chronological order so we can see the progression, like how you grew as an athlete and where that ultimately took you and is still taking you?
0: Um, yeah. So kind of where that just ended of what my parents instilled led up until um, high school where I had, um, thank goodness I had them. I had a few coaches that just like really made an impact on me and made me realize like how much of a difference one person can make in somebody's life. Um, And I had a volleyball coach that pulled me out of soccer, which was my diehard passion. Like Mm. I, (laughs) I, Um, thought that I would go on and play soccer in college. And he like begged me to come play volleyball. And I was like, ah, like they cheer a lot in that sport and (laughs) they're like really happy all the time. And I don't know if that's my thing. And he's like, please just come try it. So I came and tried it and had an incredible team. Him as a coach, he, again, that like tough love, um, coaching of like, it wasn't, you were starting because you were older or because your parents were friends with them. It was none of that. It was just like clear cut stats like are you the best and that even though I didn't start a lot and I wasn't always the best player that like really resonated with me because I had to work to get a spot and um it's like really satisfying to work for something and achieve it um and so he got me into volleyball and that's kind of where it was seen that I could jump um I was five foot probably two in high school and um, I was an outside hitter, which is super rare. Um, I should have been like a libero or a setter or something. Um, but I'm going to act
1: like I know what the hell you just said. Yes, I'll just nod.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I could jump out of the gym. Like I, there were girls that were taller than me that couldn't get higher above the net. And that mixed with like my coach seeing me in basketball or soccer. And I went out for uh, junior high track. And I ran the 400, the 800, and the mile. And I was fast. Like, I think I could have gone to college for those things. But um, another coach who's now my coach, Nate Wilford, um, came up to me one day and just told me that, like, I could be a good jumper. And I was like, You're ridiculous. Like, you're nuts. I'm five foot four. I, every jumper I know is, you know, six feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, Just trust me, please. And I was like, you're crazy. Um, and I like kind of ignored him and I kept, I was super successful in the 400, the 800, the mile. Um, I won pretty much all my meets when I was younger. Um, and then one summer I was like, I'm going to listen to this guy. Like he kind of challenged me, told me that he had heard that I liked people to challenge me. And he told me that he didn't think that I could do something. And so I wanted to prove him wrong. Um, and the first time I jumped, I jumped, extremely far for how young I was. It was around 18 feet and a half inches. Um, and I was like ranked top in the state, my wow. first time ever jumping. And it just, um, having somebody that believes in you and you don't even know them was pretty like crazy to me. Um, and I think like later on I'll talk about, you know, how that makes me who I am today. But, um, so immediately thought like, okay, yeah, this guy's right. Like I can get a full ride scholarship in track and field and, um, still played volleyball. And that was kind of my out cause track and field super individual. And I love the team aspect of volleyball. Um, and so my senior year of, or junior year, I guess I started getting recruited, um, was getting recruited by pretty much every division one university in the um, nation for a full ride scholarship. And my senior year, I committed to the University of Kansas um, and knew that I would go there. My family is originally from Kansas, so that played a little part into it. But the coach there was incredible. And my senior year of high school, I won state in the long jump, the triple jump, and the 100 meters.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: And that was kind of like the launch of my track career. Like That was when I was like, holy cow, I I am pretty good at this. (laughs) Is that
1: that pretty rare to get yeah. all three of those it sounds yeah, rare
0: definitely <laughs> um especially to convert from like like a a sprinter is usually a good jumper a jumper can usually run fast but to be able to win all three was pretty um crazy and i almost won state by myself like <laughs> wow. uh with the amount of points that i scored in and, and so going into the university of kansas um so i was a three-time state or four times so one state as a junior too um, four-time state champion, and then I won nationals that summer going into college in both long jump and triple jump, which, again, to be, like, a double event athlete was, like, pretty crazy at that time, um, and so went into college, like, with a lot of momentum, like, being number mm-hmm. one in the nation, but then, you know, you get into college, and everybody's a good athlete, um, Sure. and I had to kind of put that tough love back on me of, like, yes, you're good in high school, but you're like a duck in a puddle, and now you're in a ocean of great right. athletes. And um, so I worked really hard, and I did well. My freshman year, I started, like, getting All-Americans, which is top eight at nationals. Um, and by my junior year, I won my first NCAA championship, and I won it in the triple jump. Um, and then faced an event, my outdoor season of my junior year that pretty much changed me as a jumper. Um, I had one triple jump at NCAA's, which is the biggest meet of the year. It's nationals and um, had a coach protest my jump after the fact, and um, the jump got taken away. and
1: so you so you had, you had won and then it got protested.
0: Yeah, and so they took that jump away, and I got third. Um, so pretty heartbreaking, um, go from the highest of the high to third place is not the best feeling in the world. And, um, so I came back my senior year and was determined to win and, um, won both long jump and triple jump at NCAAs that next year. Um, pretty much trying to prove myself that I was as good of a jumper. And so I finished college being a three-time NCAA champion But my biggest success in college was being part of the NCAA championship team um, in 2013. So KU won their first ever women's national title in history. And I was the leading point scorer on that team. But I think that's like where my heart started to realize that, you know, like track's an individual sport, but these three NCAA championships meant nothing compared to like seeing my team successful and seeing everybody around me happy. Um, so graduated as one of the most decorated athletes to ever go through the university with 13 all Americans, um, three national championships and a team title. Um, yeah. And then that summer won NCAA or won the USA championships in triple jump. So my first professional meet, I won triple jump. Um, and then tore my patellar tendon and thought that I was done. So I moved back home, started substitute teaching, which I love. um, But I went to school for nursing and started training with my high school coach who just begged me to come back. And so I came back and started training a year before the Olympics after a ton of rehab and a lot of procedures on my knee.
1: Are are people usually done after an injury like that? Is that something that is recoverable or is that usually like the end point?
0: Um, I would say for a jumper, like any patellar tendon issue is going to be like pretty impacting. Um, mine wasn't completely torn, which definitely helped. Um, but it was damaged enough where I could like physically not get off the ground. Um, there's pictures of me like trying to triple jump at, USA's right before I found out I was hurt and there's just like tears flowing down my face as I'm jumping. And so I came back and started training and then this past year um I got third at the Olympic trials and made my first Olympic team and went on to compete wow. at the Olympics. So now an Olympian.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of overwhelmed by how much you've won. Um, I'm sure you feel that way sometimes, like, uh, basically if you and I become friends, we're just going to talk about stuff cause I'm never going to compete <laughs> with you on anything. Um, because you're just going to win probably. That's really, that's, that's really insane. So you, you went to the Olympics and, um, that was just recently, right?
0: Um, yes, I just got, well, the Olympics were in August. I got back at the end of August. Yeah.
1: You're an accomplished athlete and you have- yeah, you've you've won a lot, and you're probably a you know a household name in some circles for sure. Um, how did you go on to 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 then say I want to transition a little bit and I want to begin giving back. I want to help. I want to serve. I want to love, and I'm going to use what I've learned through my upbringing, through my coaches, through my training, all the things that I've accomplished. I want to now uh, accomplish or I want to influence people for good through what I've done. What did that transition look like? And what does that look, what does that actually look like for you? How, how are you doing that?
0: It's a really good question. Cause it's, I think it's more of what makes me Andrea Gubel than I think track. Um, and that's hmm. what I want it to be known as track has been incredible. Like it's, I've gotten to travel the world. I've gotten um, to be successful and I've, I've won a lot, but what it's done more for me is it's put me um, it's, provided a platform to help others, I think. And having that Olympian title, and then even in college, like being one of the best at the university, like you get people looking at you. Um, And I like to talk to people about like, you have all these moments in life and there's going to be like really good moments and there's going to be really bad moments. And at every moment you have a decision to make of whether you're going to define that moment yourself or if you're going to let that moment define you so Hmm. that person that could be a death it could be a birth it could be you know a wide range of things and so all through my life I've experienced these moments I guess you could say and Mm -hmm. track is a super individual sport um and I have always like I was always the girl – oh, I still am – that brings, like, cookies to class because I just want to see people smile. Like, <laughs> it just, like, makes my heart happy. And, um, like, I always buy gifts. I always just do random things because I enjoy – like, I, I genuinely enjoy seeing people smile. Like, you'll rarely not see me smiling because people usually smile back when you smile. And so yep. – um, I realized through my track career, like how much one person could make a difference in my life. And so like, why couldn't I do that for other people? Because a lot of people, like they dream big and they have these aspirations, but they're waiting for somebody to literally walk up to them and say like, hey, you should do that.
1: Right. They're waiting. They're waiting for permission to do it.
0: Yeah. And and it is hard. Like I know that there's been times where I've been, it's like my coach coming up to me and saying, you should, like, you're really good at this. Do it. And I ignored it at first, but then it like resonated with me because somebody had belief in me. And so that was like, I think the turning moment for me was having all these people, even my college coach, like people were telling me like, you're too short to jump. You're too short to do this. And Wayne Pate, who's the college or the coach at the University of Kansas came up to me and he's like, no, like you're going to be the best and I'm going to help you to do that. And so come to this school and I will do that for you. And he did like, he he stayed true to his word. He not only became my coach, but a friend and almost like a father figure when I was away from my parents. And um, it was pretty incredible how much of an impact he had on me. Um, and so when I was winning those individual championships, it was when I won the two. Um, my team actually got second at nationals. And to have done everything I could for everybody else for my team and to not like see them get to be excited broke my heart. Like it was hard for me to be excited for myself. And at that moment I realized that life isn't about you. It's not about, um, it starts with you, but it's not about how successful you are in life. It's how successful the people that you surround yourself are. Um, And if you can help, you know, one person, two people go on to be successful, it's a really good feeling. And I learned that through track my senior year when I won, or we went to nationals and we won as a team, but I actually got second in both of my events, um, which I was supposed to win. And I saw these people that had watched me and just wanted to make me happy, um, really step up and wanted to make a legacy and a name for the university. And they completely had my back and they made up for the like places that I couldn't um, and so going professional in track was probably one of the most difficult transitions that I've ever had. Um, people can look at it and be like, Oh my gosh, Andrew, you get to travel the world and you don't have to have a nine to five job and all those things are great, but it's super lonely. Every success is my own. It's not, I don't get to really share it. Like, yes, my parents get to take pride. My coach gets to be excited. My boyfriend, um, gets to cheer me on, but like, what am I doing in the world? Everything everything's feels really selfish. And so that's when I started getting really involved with um, like nonprofits and um, just even substitute teaching. I, I do it because I can talk to kids, and they are our future, and they need that one person to tell them like, "Hey, you're really good at this. Go do it," or to tell them that you care or you love them. Um, everybody's missing something, whether they want to admit it or not. And so, especially this next generation, they're incredible. They're incredibly talented. They're incredibly smart. But it's a falsified confidence that social media provides. Um, I feel like it's all behind a computer screen. It's all dependent on the amount of likes you get on your picture. Um, And they don't know what real confidence feels like because nobody's showed confidence in them. Um, And so... They've become my team. Like I train with a high school team. I don't train with professional athletes um, Hmm. because their energy that they bring every day, it's not a job for them. It's fun for them still. Um, For me, it's a job and it can get very like tedious. But if I can go to practice and one person asks me like, hey, Andrea, how do you do this? Or like, Andrea, I'm really struggling in school. It makes that practice completely worth it whether I got better that day or not. So um, I've found like my new team and my new team is, the world. Um, My new team is this next generation, especially like my heart is, I think along the way I inspire adults, but (laughs) uh, my heart is with kids and they're just pretty freaking incredible. So it's fun to work with them.
1: This episode of let's give a damn is brought to you by inly.io. Inly is an all-new way to invoice. Think the customization of Squarespace meets the ease of Cash App and Venmo, but for business. It's created by freelancers, for freelancers, and small businesses. Inly allows you to finally give your clients an amazing paying experience while saving you time. This platform is truly changing the face of invoicing, and did I mention it's free? What's even cooler is Inly definitely gives a damn. Here's my good friend Spencer, one of the founders, to tell you why. We didn't want to just create the best invoicing platform on the planet. We wanted to change the world through invoicing and have our community become the heroes of the story. So, coming next month, when we launch officially, we are introducing the Dollar Club. You can choose to give $1 of every invoice you send to the Dollar Club and 100% of the money will go to giving a life-changing gift to someone or some organization in need each month. We will film and tell the story so that you can see the change that you made. So now invoicing really can change the world and be an incredible experience. I love that. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate you, bud. So Inly is free to use and you can accept all different kinds of payments quicker and easier without the crazy high fees. Here's the deal. They currently have a huge waiting list, but for the listeners of Let's Give a Damn, they are giving us 500 skip the line passes so you can skip to the head of the line. So make sure to go to inly.io forward slash LGAD and sign up right now to secure your spot. Again, that is www.inly.io forward slash LGAD. We're using it here at Let's Give a Damn and we love it. Now, back to the interview. Tell me about two things, uh, two ways that you're giving a damn. Talk to me about Ignite and Z Girls. Um, what what are those things? How are you involved? And what are you able to do through them to impact people?
0: Both incredible um, companies. I'll start with Ignite. Ignite is a company pretty much that comes into schools and they do a day and it's called a power of one day. Um, I come in for the one day. They do a series of like, it's a pretty much a curriculum in a school. So if a school's struggling with something or even just needs a day to bring the school together, um, it's to create like a sense of community in a school, um, which kind of gets lost nowadays because of all the assessments and how people are evaluated. Um, and so we go in and we do the power of one, the power of one moment, the power of one person. And I'm there like keynote speaker, I guess, pretty much through the day. And I tell this story, um, part of what we've heard today, but I also go a little bit more in detail of just, you know, hardships that I've gone through. Um, and then just really pushing through and that it's not easy. It's super uncomfortable. And that's what I try to get through with Ignite is, um, and they do too, is just that life isn't about one person. It's about a community. It's about the legacy that you leave in life. And in that sense, it's the legacy that you leave at the school. Um, when you leave, how do you want your class to be known? And just to understand that it bullying is a big one. Um, like I was definitely bullied through middle school and high school made fun of because, you know, I had these dreams and, um, just to reassure them that dreaming isn't a bad thing. And if you feel empowered to do something, do it, don't be afraid of what everybody else is going to think about you. And so that's Ignite's whole thing is the power of one person can change, um, a community or the power of one moment can change you as a person. Um, So they do like breakout sessions and they learn about leadership, um, confidence, and um, they go through all these little games and activities that make them come out of that comfort zone. And by the end of the day, we do, it's called cross the line. And we go through a list of things um, from, are you, are you a girl? Are you a boy? Like stepping across the line. And then there's ones that come out and all it does is it creates an idea in these kids head that they're not alone that there's somebody else out there that's struggling or going through some of the same things that they're going through um, and to reach out to those people and to be the change um, so that nobody ever feels alone. Um, And that transitions really well into Z-Girls because they are Z-Girls, Generation Z, it's the next generation, um, and girls. So women in sports are what lead it to um, incredible professional skiers started it and it's all women female athletes that are mentors and then ambassadors so I'm an ambassador along with a lot of other incredible athletes and um, they have put together a curriculum for these groups so girls come up with like a group of five to eight um, girls that want to be in a circle and they learn about everything in life and it's to make sure that no girl ever feels alone or no girl is ever scared. And so it's just Z-Girls, I'm newer with Z-Girls than I am with Ignite, but um, Z-Girls has stolen my heart. Um, If I could do stuff for them every single day, I would. um, Just because they're they're smaller and they're they're trying to get bigger. Um, They're almost like getting bigger faster than I think they thought just because it's so needed. Um, and my only hope there is that like your only hope in life is to influence one person. Um, I feel like, and if you do that, you've, you've lived. And with Z girls, I have the opportunity to do that, to talk to girls and to share my own struggles that it's not always pretty. Um, what you see on social media is not my life. Um, I try to give you a glimpse of it, but I'm also, I try to be more real through that because that's what a lot of people look at, but Um, Social media is really pretty and life isn't very pretty (laughs) all the time. So um, just letting girls know that to dream big, to have confidence and to not let anybody tell you you can't because you can.
1: (laughs) So the the Let's Give a Damn family, we are growing and we're going to be a force for good in the world. I, I can see this just getting bigger and a lot of incredible things happening my goal for doing all of this is to help people have their own give a damn moment where they see how they've been blessed how they with the privilege they have and then they connect that with someone or something that needs what they have and i believe that if all of us take the time to do that we can literally change the world not figure to just your distance but like we can actually do it in our lifetime, we can see like horrible atrocities eradicated. We can see sicknesses eradicated. We can see poverty eradicated. I really believe that. I, I, and so as we grow, um, I want to give practical things to those listening as well. So based on your experiences in life, can you give some practical steps to listeners? Let, so let's connect with a few athletes out there. If there are any athletes listening, uh, people have had accomplishments in this or just love sports in general. Yeah. How can they begin to give a damn about the people, places and things around them? What are some practical things they can do right now to to get moving, to start caring about the people around them?
0: I think the biggest thing is to care. Um, we all care about something right? Um, and to talk about that, to share what you're going through, to be a real person. Um, I think a lot of times you run into people and – It's like, yeah, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to do this. And I'm guilty of it. I think we all are of, you know, these huge dreams and aspirations. But I think just getting out there and sharing your own story so that somebody can go like, oh, yeah, like I've struggled with that and I've been through that. Everybody can make a connection, whether um, I know we're talking athletes, but, you know, I've talked to business people and been like, yeah, I went through this tough time, like, um, I, I didn't want to come back. I was hurt. I was broken down. And then I start talking about it and they're like, Whoa, like I've had that moment in work where I've just, you know, and I wanted to give up. So it doesn't like, I think joining a nonprofit or starting a nonprofit and all things that I want to do and starting one is huge, but like right now that's not real for me. Like I don't have the time, I don't, but like you don't have to do something huge. It, it's literally stopping and when you're at a coffee shop, you know, turning to the person next to you and just saying hi, um, smiling at people, making eye contact, holding a door open—that's um, caring. That's giving a damn about yep. somebody else.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and it—it it breaks my heart that that is like gone away almost. Um, like to for a second, not judge somebody. We're all human. We all have flaws. We all have great things about us and I think judgment people are so quick to judge and judgment will hold you back in life Um, judgment will keep you from being successful I believe I know that I'm guilty of it we're all guilty of looking at somebody and being like oh they're this or they're that but you're literally putting everybody into a cookie cutter and yourself into a cookie cutter and if you can take a second and step outside of that and Um, See somebody for what they're worth. You never, and this is what I preach to my kids every day. You never know what somebody else is going through, and so to just smile at somebody like that could make somebody's day. You could have changed somebody's life to say hi to somebody. It it starts with simple steps like that, and then from there you grow. From there you meet people. Um, You realize what other people are involved in, and you say like, Hey, yeah, I'd love to uh, go to dinner with you and talk to you about your job or. Um, what you're doing Uh, and then it just grows from there and I feel like that's literally how it started (laughs) like how this whole thing has started with me is you know I I said hi to somebody and I told my story and I was real I showed the pain of my story I showed the great moments and people it's such an easy thing to do but people want to judge others and they want to be really critical of themselves um, and not and put these walls up but everybody's going through something um and you can, you can help somebody so easily. It, it doesn't take money. It doesn't take a lot of time of your time, but service is giving to somebody else without like needing something in return. Right. So whether that person's going to smile back at me or not, like I can't beat myself up about that, yeah. but you can do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're describing, uh, in others focused intentional life. Yeah. And I I 1000% agree with you. That's where it starts. And I think we have the tendency, the tendency is to dream to look at people that already have a big platform, right? Or already, you know, started the huge nonprofit or, you know, they're building wells, building schools, Pencils of Promise, Charity Water, you know, all these big organizations and say, I can't do that. So I'm just gonna go home and binge watch Netflix tonight. Yeah,
0: exactly. Instead
1: of saying, No, it's just like you said, it's the one, it's the one person, it's the smile, it's the meal, it's the hug, it's the and we don't know. We don't know. On the other end of the, that hug, that smile, that meal, that anything, could be someone who was going to hurt themselves, who was going through a really rough time, and you literally changed the course of their lives and you by may that never one know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hard thing. That's one yeah. of the I guess it could be, we could look at it as a bad thing that we've probably helped so many people, hopefully that we'll never even know the result. And that doesn't matter though. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing that we get to like humbly approach life knowing that we may never see the result of this, but we, we, we must do it because we're not here on this earth to live this like self-centered nine to five and then binge watch all shows all night and then do the same thing over and over again. It's like, no, we're here for each other. And, um, so love that. Very grateful for, yeah, your contribution there. So what, is the, uh, what does the future hold for you? I mean, you're an accomplished athlete. How long does that usually last? What, what's, yeah, what's the dream um, so that we can kind of like cheer for you?
0: So yeah, I plan on doing track for as long as I can. But um, I think that's the one thing that I've tried to instill in myself is that like track is not my life. Yes, it takes a lot of my time, But my life is to give to others. Um, I went to school for nursing, and, you know, people can have their aspirations of what I want to do in life. But I am super happy being a track athlete and then being done and going and being a nurse. Um, I have a big heart in pediatric oncology. I think that they're like the biggest superheroes in the world. And like, even as an Olympian, like they, they have some drive and some passion and um so I'm gonna do a track as long as I can but the day that I have to hang my shoes up is not gonna be a sad day. Um I think I'm really excited to hopefully, you know, change some lives um in the medical field. You get to do it like hands on. But just like hearing people's stories and um so yeah, gonna go on with track as long as I can. Hopefully just I don't know, I, I'm 25 and I still am like, which I think we all say throughout life, like, I don't know what I want to be when I get older. Um, there's a million things that I could think of that I want to be from here on out, but for now it's track and I'm putting my heart into that. And then just, I, I motivationally speak. Um, and then I, I substitute teach because it, it is an easy in to motivational speaking every oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. like I get to see new faces. I get to see, um, Kids that are struggling, and I get to hopefully be that one smile or that relationship that they build, um, and to teach how important relationships are to them. So I love teaching. Is it long term? I don't know. Um, it's another thing that I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that for five years. So yeah, track for now. We'll see That's how great. long my little knees hold up. That's
1: right. <laughs> That's I'll right. I have two questions left, but before. I asked those questions. I want to just take a moment to honor you. Um, Thank you, first of all, for sharing your story. I'm amazed both by your, your physical accomplishments. I mean, that's just, it's, it really is just incredible what you've been able to accomplish, but then you, through your accomplishments and your hardships, the ups and downs, you've, you are, you have figured out and are figuring out ways to mentor and teach young people. And I think that's incredibly huge and that's incredibly awesome and so i just wanted to honor you and i'm very grateful for that and i hope that you continue to do that and never stop never stop doing that so right back at
0: you i i think what you're doing is pretty incredible in itself um like people need to hear what it is to care about somebody no matter what and i've listened to a lot of your podcasts no matter what stage of life you're in um and how successful you've been there's still room to give back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, uh, it's kind of funny, you just said that with the whole age thing. I I just had a meeting literally right before this, I was at a coffee shop with a friend. Uh, A lot of my friends are older, older men. And I I, like, it's it's kind of, part of me is like, well, that's really not cool. But it really (laughs) is cool, because I I, I feel like I'm attracted to them, because I want I see a little bit of myself in them, because I will one day be, you know, 50, 60, 65 years old. And I was sitting down with him. And he's A very accomplished man. And he just took a a, a job that's a pay cutting job for a nonprofit in uh, Chicago. And so exactly what you just said, like, there's no age limit to this. Hopefully, you and I will continue to love people, serve them, care for them, literally, until we take our last breath. And that, to me, is that that's the life worth living. Um, So I totally agree. And I receive receive the uh, the honor that you gave back to me. I'm really excited about what, you know, what this will turn into. Um, so we'll see. Okay. Two, two more questions. The, the penultimate question is a hypothetical. So don't get scared by the first few words, <laughs> but um, here's the hypothetical question. When you die, which hopefully won't be for many, many years, I'm going to give your eulogy, your, your fans, your friends, your coach from school. All your coaches from school have been there. They're, they're there. Everybody that loves you is there. What do you hope that I will say? What, what do you want your legacy to be in three, three or four sentences? What do you want to be known for once you're gone?
0: First of all, I'm honored that you're giving me my eulogy at my funeral. <laughs> um, I, but on a more serious note, um, that I was that person that I inspire everybody else to be. I guess that I lived every day with love in my heart. And I let that out. I didn't hold it in, um, that I hopefully touched somebody's life, which I'm pretty confident that many people have reached out and said that I did. And that no matter what age I am, when I die, that I lived a life that left a legacy. Um, I, I think that word legacy is pretty huge. And that's what I'm living to do, whether it's a huge legacy that everybody knows about or it's a one that you know my family and friends know about, um, that i I lived a life of caring and serving others and not myself. but I did it myself. And that in everything I did, i I worked hard, I respected others, and um, I was confident in what I did. And that I never left anything. I say, leave it all on the track, and that I left everything in this world that I had to give. Um, I think yes, we're talking about death, but I never want to wake up tomorrow and think, what could I have done yesterday to make a person feel better, um, to smile. Um, I think the biggest thing is is give somebody a smile. It's the easiest thing. It makes your heart happy. It makes others happy, and show it big um, yeah, and just love everyone.
1: Yeah. I've seen a lot of pictures of you online and in most of them. <laughs> the biggest
0: of so, uh, Except for when I'm like jumping. Those yeah, are yeah, really terrible
1: jumps,
0: <laughs> pictures of me.
1: You said uh, something in there. First of all, that'd be a great legacy. Um, and you said something that reminded me of a Bob Goff quote that I just heard the other day, or actually he, he tweeted it something along the lines of our lives are rivers, not reservoirs, love freely. And I think that's going to be part of your legacy that we don't, we shouldn't be storing this up. We leave it all on the track, leave it all out in the day and not not get to the end of any day and say, man, I wish I could have done that or should have done that. Um, So I love that. Um, The last question is where can we keep up with you? So for anybody that wants to even learn, so maybe this is the first time they're hearing about you, they're not into sports or whatever and they're hearing about you, where can they find out more about you and also, yeah, if they want to keep up with you online to see what you're doing, things you're involved in, where can they do that?
0: Um, so my Instagram page is where I'm at most of the time. Um, I'm pretty good at keeping that updated. People are always like, I want to know more about track, and I try. I try to put it out there when I'm competing and stuff, but like I said before, track's not all of Andre Gubel, and I, I try to be real on Instagram um, to inspire others to like, you know, let let those hardships show. So Instagram is one of my favorite platforms um, to follow my little life, um, my adventures. And what's the handle there? A underscore Gubel. So my last name. And I'm sure
1: they can just type in your name and it'll
0: come up. Yeah. I am verified for all those young guns out there watching um, or listening. Uh, My students usually love that. And then... There is a site called Athlete Biz. Um, they've been incredible for athletes, but it's athlete and then B I Z dot com. And you can just go onto there and you can actually type in any like track and other sport athletes. Um, and if they're a part of that, you can follow them through that. And it's pretty cool. It gives like a little description, it gives like how you can support that athlete and then um, where to find them on social media. Um, and then Googling my name, <laughs> track and field, like we keep up articles coming out pretty often. So, I think my parents—that's about all they know how to do. So, I always hear about the articles that come out about me.
1: <laughs> yeah, when our mutual friend Danny Owens had mentioned, you know, uh, yeah. that, I should, that I should have you on, I went. I went. To, he's awesome. I went to uh, YouTube and just started watching. Just typed your name and just started watching all the videos. And so that's how I got to know you. Was how far you. Could, freaking jump um (laughs) so that's that's one way to do it too for everybody listening just go to youtube type in the name and there's a bunch of videos there well thank you for uh joining me today this was an honor a pleasure a treat and um i'm very excited to you know from the sidelines cheer you on and continue to see you grow and impact more people so thanks so much for joining me today
0: thank you for having me
1: I'm so glad that I got to talk with Andrea and I'm extra glad that you got to listen in. Thank you so much for joining Andrea and me for our chat today. Be sure to go follow Andrea on social media. And if you enjoyed our chat, make sure to let her know. I know she would love to hear from you as always. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. So you don't miss a thing. And if you have a little bit of extra energy left over, please go leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as you listen to this podcast, I urge you, if someone comes up in your mind that you think should listen to this, don't forget to pass it along to them. Listening to one of these stories may indeed be life-changing for them. You can follow us at Let's Give a Damn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And lastly, if you don't already subscribe to our weekly email, I think you're missing out. I send out a weekly email containing stories about people who are giving a damn in incredible ways. So go to let'sgiveadam.com, click on the Join Our Email family link, and sign up today. Also, follow me at Nick LaPara on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you'd like, I would love to hang out with you there. That is it for this week. I love you all. I'm so grateful for your attention, and I can't wait to spend more time with you next week. I leave you with this quote from the incredible Maya Angelou. Love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. Friends, giving a damn without love... It's pointless and harmful we must enter each one of these situations with so much love so go in love bye for now